0: Today we continue our studies in Isaiah. We left off in Isaiah 51. We kind of did a sidetrack last week. Um, And I want to explain one thing about taking a sidetrack like that and looking at the wrong views of life. The wrong views of the world and life view. The wrong views of Jesus. We need to look at arguments that aren't scriptural. Uh, so that we would better be able to defend ourselves against the wrong views. We used to have a person here that really got mad when we look at unscriptural views of things because he said, it's kind of like a bank teller. The way you train her to uh, be able to uh, notice counterfeit bills is by just handling the real thing. That's all you have to do, just handle the real thing and you'll be able to tell the false. Just handle the true money, you'll be able to tell the counterfeit money. Well, studies have shown that isn't so. Bank tellers that handle both the real money and are trained to recognize counterfeit money do a better job. And so I, I think that that is a good analogy for us to know both the correct views as set forth in Scripture and to at least be familiar with the heretical views and the false an idolatrous world and life muse. So that's the reason that we kind of sidetracked last week. Oh no, that little philosophy lesson that we had. I hope it was helpful. So this morning we get back to Isaiah 51. Isaiah is speaking here to the exiles in Babylon. They had been exiled basically <clears throat> because of their idolatry. And they were blending in with the culture, like I warned you last week. Their problem was their world and life view was no longer based on the prophets and what they said in the Word. But they had kind of blended in with the culture. And they were buying up their views. And that's why Isaiah keeps having to say, Look, look, listen, don't you remember? Don't you remember the true God anymore? You are so blended into your culture that you don't even remember me. And we have to be very careful. And we will hit on this again this morning. But we have to be very careful of the culture around us without even realizing it. We start thinking like they do. We just get sucked into that. And that's why we need to be in the Bible every day. We need to learn God's Word as well as we can. In addition to being familiar with the false worldviews that we need to look out for. So we will be continuing that this morning in Isaiah 51, beginning in verse 9. And uh, I'm going to read for us verses 9 through 16, reading out of the New American Standard. He says, Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord, awake as in the days of old, the generations of long ago. Was it not you who cut Rahab in pieces, who pierced the dragon, was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made the depths of the sea a pathway, where they redeemed to cross over? So the ransomed of the Lord will return and come with joyful shouting to Zion. An everlasting joy will be on their heads. They will obtain righteousness and joy, and sorrow and sighing and flee away. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies and of the son of man who is made like grass? That you have forgotten the Lord your maker who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth? That you fear continually all day long because of the fury of the oppressor as he makes ready to destroy. But where is is the fury of the oppressor? The exile will soon be set free and will not die in the dungeon, nor will his bread be lacking. For I am the Lord your God, who stirs up the sea and its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. I have put my words in your mouth and I have covered you with the shadow of my hand to establish the heavens, to found the earth, and to say to Zion, You are my people. All right, as a review, we'll just go quickly through the notes on this uh, from verses 1 through 12, page we handed out to you. So, in these verses, the people are again, they're told three times to listen and three times to look. They don't pay attention. Isaiah is encouraging the people again. He is not encouraging all of them, but only those who are Faithful. He says, you, you who pursue righteousness. And seek the Lord. He tells them to listen and to look. He is going to build them up here in the faith. And then we see in verses 2 through 8, uh, reasons. He gives them some reasons to help increase their faith. He says he made a great nation from one couple. Abraham and Sarah. So he can certainly help them. He took Abraham out of the land of Chaldeans. And from him and his wife, he made a great nation. And that's just from one couple. And then number two, God's message will go out to the whole world with everlasting saving power. It's not going to be restricted to the Jews, to the nation of Israel. It's going out to the whole world. And number three, though they will be reviled, they will be vindicated. So they've got basically good days ahead. Alright, the righteousness they pursue, or at least that they should pursue, is not a righteousness based on their standards. And it is a righteousness based on the holiness of God alone. So he's talking to those who pursue righteousness. Okay. Uh, They are to live according to God's commandments and not according to what they think is right. And we have a comment by John Calvin there. He says, without the word of the Lord, there can be no righteousness. No laws of men, however well framed, will lead us to true righteousness, of which they may indeed give us a feeble idea, but which they can never justly describe. So in verse 7, uh, and here in Isaiah 51, that's why God says, listen to me, you who know righteousness. A people whose heart, a people in whose heart is my law. So those who know righteousness have to have God's law in their heart. In fact, that's the mark of the New Covenant Christian according to Isaiah 31 and Hebrews 8. The new Christian has the law of God written on his heart and put in his mind. That is very sinful and that, uh, in his life. And that's why David in Psalm 1 tells us, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates sometimes. Is that right? (laughs) He meditates sometimes, day and night. He meditates. Yeah. (laughs) He meditates on his law day and night. Can you imagine a typical Christian or a dispensationalist say, "I meditate on God's my heart just meditates on God's law day and night." No, you're not going to see that. You're just not going to see it. You would think from the average Christian in this country, the law was his enemy. i tell you something. You're not a Christian in this New Covenant times if God's law is not in your heart and in your mind. And it's not the controlling thing in your life. If Jesus is not Lord, i got some news for you. You're not a saved person. He's not if he's not Lord, then God's law does not have authority over your life. All right now next one his people should be comforted by these words. He has prepared good things for his faithful people. And then in verses 9 to 11 the people are again reminded of the great things that Yahweh has done. That's where we started reading this morning. The people of God are getting ready to have a second exodus. They have a second exodus to look forward to. They were enslaved in Egypt. And look what God did. They came out from the oppression of the greatest army ever known to mankind up until that point. Israel came up out of Egypt without a weapon. Simply by the strong arm of the Lord. And he's going to do it again. He's telling them, I'm going to do it again. You don't have any weapons. You don't need weapons. You need me. Just like in the first exodus. So it's going to be in the second exodus. Alright. And in... Uh, before The second part of that, and I want to come back to that. This should be our attitude, one of joy and gladness, since we have been saved from wrath and have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. In verse 11 it says, The ransomed of the Lord will return and come with joyful shouting to Zion. An everlasting joy will be on their heads. They will obtain gladness and joy. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. So, two things from here. Number one, why do we ever have to worry about anything? Because if we look back to what God did to Babylon, if we look back at what God did to Egypt to rescue his people that didn't even have any weapons, you know, that's what we need to be looking forward to. We need to have that kind of faith in God. Pray pray at night before you go to bed, God. Due to to the wicked in this country what you've done to Babylon, what you've done to Egypt. We we tend to think he can't do it anymore. That's not right. He can do it exactly what he wants. So we need to have faith in God that he can still vindicate the righteous and turn away the wicked upside down. And then because of these things and because of our salvation, we should exhibit the joy and gladness of all the good things God has done for us. Why would any of us ever not be joyful and glad? Where are we going to spend eternity? We're going to spend it in heaven. The wicked won't even be around us. So this would be good application for us. Two things. Number one, don't fret when the wicked are in power. Their day is coming. And number two, be joyful and glad on the great things of the, in the great promises of God. Okay, I'm gonna uh, do one more here. God, let's see this. Is, yeah, okay. I'll stop here for a minute. Any questions or comments on anything so far? Are we awake today? All right. Your next verse, there, verse twelve. Um, Where it says, I, even I, and he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies? Or the son of man who is made like grass? So God is giving assurance here of his protective presence. In verse 12. Of his protective presence. you have these evil, powerful Babylonians against you? That's no problem for me. You're going to have my protective presence. Now, if you look back at verse 9, the people ask God to wake up and act. They say, Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as is in the days of old, the generations of long ago. Now in verse 12, God tells them that they're the problem, not Him. He says, I haven't been asleep. Y'all have been asleep. Um, And He says in verse 13, you have forgotten the Lord your Maker. You think I'm asleep? No. The problem is with your memory. It is not with me falling asleep. I'm the Creator. I've stretched out the heavens. I've laid the foundation of the earth. So, your blank there is they have forgotten Him and His mighty power. However, He assures them that the exile is nearing its end. He told them in the very first verse of this part of the book, of the prophetic part of the book, beginning in verse 40, that comfort, comfort my people. But... They don't listen. They just don't listen. So he tells them again. Okay, in verse 17 through 22. Um, Bud, I'm going to have you read that for us. 17 through 23, that is.
1: Wake yourself, wake yourself. Stand up, O Jerusalem. You have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath, who have drunk to the dregs of the bowl the cup of staggering. There is none to guide her among all the sons she has borne. There is none to take her by the hand among all the sons she has brought up. These two things that have happened to you who will console you, devastation and destruction, famine and sword, Who will comfort you? Your sons have fainted. They lie at the head of every street like an antelope in a net. They are full of the wrath of the Lord, the rebuke of your God. Therefore, hear this, you who are afflicted, who are drunk, but not with wine. Thus says your Lord, the Lord your God, who pleased the cause of his people. Behold, I have taken from your hand a cup of staggering, the bowl of my wrath shall drink no more. And I will put it into the hand of you who are tormentors who have said to you, bow down that we may pass over. And you have made your back like the ground and like the street for them to pass over.
0: <clears throat> okay. Uh, Isaiah assures them that the exile <clears throat> is nearing its end. And, uh, and then in verse 17 through 22. He tells them again to wake up from their slumber. Rouse yourself, rouse yourself. or Wake up, wake up. You are my people. So in verse 9, the people ask God, they pray to God, awake, Lord, why are you asleep? He's saying, y'all are the ones that are asleep. But they keep blaming God. They're to wake up from their slumber. And then um, your second bullet there, they have been devastated by His wrath or His fury. And this is the future of all unbelievers. This is the unbelievers, if they had, well, this this is what they have to look forward to. Romans 1 tells us the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Against all the unrighteousness and ungodliness of men who express truth in their unrighteousness. The wrath of God is already on them. They don't have to wait. The wrath of God is on them. And it's what they need to realize is when they undergo misery in this life, pain from cancer, uh, probably, you know, getting shot up in a war or something like that, this is only the beginning of God's wrath. It doesn't matter how much an unbeliever suffers here on earth. It's only the beginning. And they need to realize that if they're in a, on a sick bed suffering, that's what they need to be told is this is just the beginning. You wait till you die. Repent while you can. It's not too late. You're still alive. God's been good to you. You are still alive. So the future of all unbelievers is there's a little bit of pain here on earth. But it's nothing compared to the wrath of God that will be revealed on the day you die, and even more so on Resurrection Day. It's not going to be a good day for you. Those are going to be two terrible days. And I don't think the church is very faithful in telling people that if you're not a Christian, whatever sufferings you have now is nothing. Very, very pale compared to what you are facing when you die. Alright, his anger on them is now removed in verse 22. But that's not going to happen unless, they're, unless they repent. Only the impenitent. I mean, only the penitent will receive his blessing. And then the enemies are going to be drinking off his anger, according to verse 23. So God is still long-suffering with them giving them chance after chance after chance to turn from their sin to listen to Isaiah the prophet and they're not doing a very good job of it. He does have a remnant, but the people as a whole are not under his favor right now. You don't listen to the word of God, you are not you don't have any favorable status with God. You don't listen to his apostles or prophets. Okay, that's it for chapter 51. Anybody have anything to add to that? I yeah, Mike?
2: should have asked this question earlier, but back in verse 9, um, Rahab is Egypt, right?
0: I believe so. I, I meant to look that up before I came here this uh, morning, but I think you're right.
2: That's the it's, it's not the harlot in Jericho, you
0: know,
3: no. Rahab, that was...
0: No, she was She was spared. She yeah, wasn't cut right. prices
3: yeah, The Geneva Bible also said the dragon is Pharaoh. Is what? Pharaoh. Egypt and Pharaoh is was spoken of. Yeah. Could be a dragon. Well, Bill, I find it confusing as the dialogue seems to be coming from different sources. Yeah. Because it's back and forth with no
0: warning. Yeah. Uh, because here. when
3: we first came on verse 9, rise up, rise up, I thought that was God speaking talking to His people, saying, look, I've asked you to hear me. Hear me. Hear me. Now rise up. Awake. You're the arm of the Lord. Take action. Yeah. But that's not what you're saying. You're saying that's God speaking.
0: No, that's the people speaking to God. God mm-hmm. is well, then in,
3: at the end, later in that verse, then it's...
0: Yeah, but wait. Put on strength, though, Lord. Like in the days of old. You remember when you cut Rahab to pieces? Okay, so is that
3: the people or is that Isaiah?
0: That could be either one. I believe it's the people because I don't think Isaiah would accuse God of sleeping. You have to pay close attention to the dialogue. You, you're right. God starts speaking in verse 12.
3: And in verse 17, Well, my, my, the Geneva Bible, 9 uses rise up, rise up. And 17 it uses awake, awake, which is what your translation did in verse 9 as well. So there was a correlation there between the two. Probably the same Hebrew word.
0: I don't think it's the same Hebrew word. Oh, it's not? No, it's just a different way of expressing the same thing. Even though they're using different Hebrew words, the idea is the same.
3: We could probably stand the three-color edition. Chapter you're trying to figure out who's talking. We'll come out with a red <laughs> letter, a <laughs> rainbow <laughs> Bible. <laughs> you look like you're about to say something. Blue letter now?
0: Okay. Uh. All right, nobody has page 73, right? Okay. Thank you, Mike. Sure. All right, so we will be going in chapter 52 now. And we're only going to cover the first uh, 12 verses. Now there's a big break before verse 13 where we get into the last of the servant songs.
3: Thank you.
0: I don't think it's the same Hebrew word. I admit I have not looked up the Hebrew, but in the New American Standard Bible, which is extremely little... (coughs) Says in verse nine, "Awake, awake!" And in verse seventeen, "Rouse yourself, rouse yourself!" And I think fifty-two-one, "Awake, awake!" <laughs> I, I just have to break down and look up Hebrew in that. Now, before I get started in fifty-two there is a lot of good material here for seeing how serious God is in our worldviews. Now, a lot of us are going to be out next week, so we're not going to meet next week because of the importance of this chapter. I want the ma- the maximum number possible of people to be here Um Yeah, I know everybody won't be here, but it'd be more if we wait to the week after this coming week. So no Sunday school this coming week. Numbers are going to be down anyway. All right, chapter fifty two. Let's uh read the first twelve verses because verse thirteen starts the most famous of the servant songs. Uh, so, Mike, you're next in line up here. 52, 1 through 12.
2: <clears throat> awake, awake. Clothe yourself in your strength, O Zion. Clothe, clothe yourself in your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city, for the uncircumcised and the unclean will no longer come into you. Shake yourself from the dust. Rise up, O captive Jerusalem. Loose yourself from the chains around your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus says the Lord, you were sold for nothing, and you will be redeemed without money. For thus says the Lord God, my people went down at the first into Egypt to reside there. Then the Assyrian oppressed them without cause. Now therefore, what do I have here, declares the Lord, seeing that my people Have been taken away without cause. Again, the Lord declares, Those who rule over them howl, and my name is continually blasphemed all day long. Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, in that day, I am the one who is speaking. Here I am. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace, and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation. And says to Zion, Your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices and they shout joyfully together, for they will see with their own eyes when the Lord restores Zion. Break forth, shout joyfully together, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people, he has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, that all the ends of the earth may see the salvation of our God.
0: That's a good place to stop right there. Let's okay, now we I know we've kind of been on this a little bit, but we'll look back at, at 51, 9 and 17 where um, <clears throat> they accuse God of being asleep and then He says, no, the problem is with you. You are asleep. And then here again, God says to them, "Awake, awake, clothe yourselves in your strength, O Zion." So God is, God is again accusing them of dozing off to sleep and not paying any attention. No I. Yeah, I think I have it wrong there in my notes. Um, no, never mind, I got it right. They asked God to wake up back in the last chapter, and this is the second time He tells them to wake up. Their attitude was like that of the man of Mark nine twenty-two and 23. Anybody remember Mark 9, 22 and 23? The man comes up to Jesus. He has a sick son. I don't forget what he was sick with, but he says, If you can, Lord, heal him. Well, these people seem to be saying to God, if you can save us, we really we really don't believe you can. But you know, if you can find some strength somewhere, how about saving us out of this situation? So they basically have the same attitude. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. We're asking you to do it. But that's not really saving the faith. They keep blaming God. But as it is, they are at fault for their sorry condition. They, their sin is what has landed them there, and their sin is what's keeping them there. So that's what God is going to deal with in this chapter with them. And we will start there in your notes next week. Knowing what we're going to, in two weeks, Knowing that that's what God is going to be dealing with in this chapter. And then at the end of this chapter, we'll start the servant song, the true servant that will come and help these people. Anything, anybody have anything to add on what we have talked about today? That sort of situation
3: where the church is in in this country right now, I mean, we should be pleading with God, to God, with rationale for his reasons to restore this nation you know the testimony to the world of the founding fathers and others and, and what this nation was built on where we've gotten to and the deplorable condition we're in but if he were to restore it through the church's convert you know work by the Holy Spirit then he would be glorified and that's a prayer we shouldn't be ashamed to pray I
0: I agree You look at the prayers of Moses and the prayers of other great prophets in the Old Covenant, that's the kind of prayers they do. Yeah. Okay, Bud, close us in prayer, please. I have the power.